1: hello
2: we're on to cincinnati
1: you play to win the game it was all that dan marino's fault everyone knows that when it's too tough for them it's just right for us
3: AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast
1: Network. It was a Sunday of tears yesterday for me. Tears of joy in the afternoon as I watched my beloved New York football Jets beat the shit out of the hated Miami Dolphins. How sweet that was as they go to three and two on the year and announce themselves that they are a football team to be reckoned with, loaded, loaded with young freaking talent. And Source Gardner, oh my God, I cry-, cry. I was crying yesterday watching the young talent I have on my football team. I can't believe it. Source Gardner coming off the edge after Braden Mann pins the Dolphins down on the first series of the game on about the two-yard line. Here comes Sauce, untouched off the end, uh, off the edge, right into freaking Teddy Bridgewater's breadbasket. Teddy, and Teddy's forced to uh, intentionally ground the football for his safety, and Teddy's done for the day. Sauce takes care of that. And in comes Skylip Thompson, and I was a little worried about it at the time. I mean, I, you know, because I, I, that bothers me when the dynamic changes a little bit with a backup quarterback you never saw before. And he had his moments, and the Dolphins had their moments, but this was not. This was the Jets' day. Look at all the young talent we have. Oh my god! Uh.
4: Welcome everybody to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill. season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's
3: my producer, Chris Krueger. and that is our old friend Joe Benino.
4: Ah,
3: Joe Benino. Dude's it. got a podcast now. What? Yeah. Well, he doesn't work at the fan anymore, so he's got a podcast. Oh, the pain podcast. (laughs) I had to, you know, Jets are going to be up, you know, winning two games in a row. He said he cried literally tears of joy over that victory and because of how well sauce Gardner is.
4: I love the fact that Joe, he used to be our go to for hot takery on the New York Jets. It is. I'm glad to see that he's finally back up and running because, Chris, he is one of the best in terms of, like, daytime radio bloviators.
3: Yeah, well, he's got the accent. It's the accent.
4: It's Yeah, you say it sells the authenticity? Mm Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what doesn't sound authentically New York Jets. The fact that they are winners of two in a row, second place in the AFC East. This is wild. We went from a week of nail biters to a week of blowout victories. I can already tell through five weeks, this division here in 2022 is going to be a lot of fun to watch from one week to the next. And with that, the Buffalo Bills are back on top. And as always, we start at the bottom to talk to us about what life is like at the bottom of the totem pole. Christian Simonelli, Patriots fan extraordinaire, but you got a little bit of good news this weekend, eh, Christian? I mean, the Patriots shut out the Lions. A shutout victory. I mean, does that act like a salve in the wounds for some of the things that have been ailing you and your fellow Patriots fans over the last few weeks?
5: Hey, look, when you shut down the league's number one offense, um, I don't care how you do it. When you hold them for no points, you got to feel pretty good.
4: So, d- for you guys, when you look at this, does it does it kind of signify that? Because again, the league's number one offense, which Chris, it almost feels like lunacy saying league's number one anything and the Detroit Lions in the same damn sentence but the league's number one offense went up against the New England Patriots and ultimately just got it handed to them does this signify that even though you guys have had your problems over the last few weeks your defense has shown its warts Bilicek still has the it factor as a defensive game planner um yeah he
5: certainly does against Jared Goff that's for sure um <laughs> He gets, he really gets in that kid's head, uh, you know, just going all the way back to even like his rookie year with the Rams when they played here, they absolutely destroyed them. And then obviously the Super Bowl. but um, yeah, I mean, Bill can still drop a game plan. I, 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 my problem has never really been with Bill, the coach. Like my problem has been with Bill, the evaluator, Bill, the drafter, Bill, the, oh, we'll just put Matty P in as offensive coordinator slash whole line. That's been my problem with Bill, but, Nobody's better with the X's and O's than Bill. Um, you know, we all know that. I just
4: questions his move sometimes, uh, you know, personal. <laughs> Does it also underscore that maybe the state of the Patriots covered, coverage units might not be as terrible as previously thought?
5: Well, um, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, for the second straight game, rookie Jack Jones had an interception. I think that it, it, at least on, on defense, you – have to account and you have to game plan for Matt Judon not really much else but you got a game plan for that guy because he's been an absolute beast Um, he's been the best player on defense for this team Um, Christian Barmore has been pretty quiet but he's also drawn a lot of double teams I think teams looked at the film last year and they were like okay this guy isn't going to beat us so um, you know I think those are the two most impactful players and you know Obviously, I'd love to have a corner with confidence and Jack Jones certainly doesn't, doesn't like confidence, that's for sure.
4: No, not at all. And one of the most impressive things, before we move on from the defense, is just this, when you look at the way that you guys broke them down, because it wasn't like it was, hey, they sucked and couldn't move the football. You look at their first offensive possessions, they actually won the time of possession battle in the first half against you guys. But... You know, seven play, three and a half minutes, almost four-minute drive. Nets them 20 yards and they turn it over on downs. Then they go six play, you know, 57-yard drive, six plays, three minutes a clock. That's you get an interception. Then all of a sudden you go seven yard seven plays to get eight yards and a punt, but you burn four minutes a clock, and it's like they did everything that their offense has been doing. They ran a ton of plays. Like when I look at this 7-7, that's 14, that's 30, 14-20, 28. So in the first half alone, their offense got a chance to run 33 plays, 34, 35. And the reality is, is that the last three netted less than 10 yards a punt, a fumble, and a punt, an interception, <laughs> turnover on downs. Whatever you guys did, they got to go. Like they had opportunities to make plays. And yet Bill Belichick really seems to have a handle on, to your point, whatever Jared Goff is doing, I think that in and of itself is impressive. Because when you think about how some of like your own drives, you know, if you're talking about the number one offense in football having to take a seven-play, six-play, seven-play, eight-play drive, and getting nothing but turnover after turnover after turnover out of it. And then you look at the Patriots on offense and you go, we had six plays and we got a field goal out of it. We had an 11-play, 83-yard drive. We got a field goal. We threw a pick. But then six plays, nine plays, field goal after field goal. It's like, listen, we're not dominating you in terms of finding the end zone, but we're also not making the glaring mistakes that you guys are like that says something for you guys as not, not only as a defense, but also in terms of maybe your offense isn't as (laughs) lost at sea as we all thought, at least by and large, when you compare it to 32 other football teams. Now, if we're going to talk about the offense, the legend of Bailey (laughs) Zappi, are are we doing this? Are we doing this thing? Uh, For a couple of
5: weeks, I guess. Why not? Uh, It's, I'm kind of having fun with it myself. Like, it is pretty funny. Um, I can tell you locally that all the callers to Sports Talk Radio want the kid in there. They believe that the offense is far superior with him running it than it was with Mac. Uh, People are just infatuated with the new thing. They really are. Um, The kid hasn't thrown up on himself. He did fumble against Green Bay. The pick that he threw was actually a real – the result was – just a poor handling of the ball by Aguilar. Um, surprise there. So um, yeah, he's the new flavor of the flavor of the week. So why not?
4: Well, here's what I find the the best about it. Bill Belichick starts this fu- and me- Chris, you know how what we talk about John Tortorella in hockey, yeah, uh, about how he really is a great coach because he knows how to kind of tweak the media in a way that, Hey, I'm going to create a story so that you guys are paying attention to the thing I said, and not my guys, or you're paying attention to this narrative that I've allowed you to kind of create so that you're not, it takes some of the pressure off some of my other players. So when the local reporters asked Bill Belichick about hey, you know, is the job Mac Jones is when he comes back and he refuses to commit to anything. Mm-hmm. Like some of the, is that annoyance in your opinion with the question itself? Like, because we know he's a salty dog. (laughs) Is he just annoyed (laughs) with the question? Or is is that a sign that he might actually be mulling it over? That maybe this Bailey Zappy kid can move this offense to a degree that we haven't seen yet?
5: I think think he likes having fun with the media. Like, when you see the questions that when people ask him that question, he, like, smirks and he's like, we'll see. Or... You know, somebody asked him today about, you know, what are the similarities between Mac and Bailey? And he was like, ah, oh, they're both right-handed. And then he smirked. Like, he's having fun with it. Um, You know, people people are, they've been calling and, and writing it. So, like, the shows and stuff that I listen to are like, oh, you know, you know, Bill likes him because uh, he smiles, you know, when he's asked about him. Yeah, he does like him. He drafted him. Yeah, he does like the player. Yeah, that's right. Or else he wouldn't have drafted him in the fourth round. So, you know, people look like get a little too, like, crazy with it. But I just think Bill's having fun. Um, I think it is Mac's job when he's healthy and ready to come back. I think that the Mac right now at, the, at this point is is way ahead of of, of, of Bailey, and he should be. He's, you know, he's a, a second-year pro. So I think it's it's, it's Mac's job um, to come back. I do not see the brady so <laughs> comparison at all on any level. Anytime you compare Brady to any situation, anything in my opinion, you just throw out the window because he is just the number one outlier. He's the greatest ever do it, so the comparisons I just I don't I don't
4: see it at all. Well, I'll say this about Bailey Zappi: if you look at his performance from Sunday, he was okay by post Tom Brady standards. <laughs> if you think about what the Patriots have had right, a quarterback yeah, right. since he left, 188 yards, a touchdown, and a pick but a high completion percentage and led a lot of field goal drives. He didn't make glaring mistakes. He kept the offense on schedule when he was asked to. They led with the rushing yep. attack, which is basically what we kind of thought this offense was going to be at the start of the off season. I mean, yep. it went against the one of the worst defenses in the NFL, but oh, yeah. it's one of those situations where, first of all, it gets you back in the wind column. It gets uh, new Englanders feeling a little bit better about things. But there again, you got the guy from Southie who goes, "Oh, you know Tom Brady, Tom Brady. He's a he did it, and he was a, a late pick, and it'll be great." Uh, okay, How much yeah. of this Bailey Zappi's like conversation is directly Tom Brady's fault?
5: Oh, hundred percent. I mean, uh, it, it's a hundred percent. You know, people love, especially in New England, they love nostalgia, they love history, they. They love, they love, you know, a redo, a reenactment. They just love all that stuff. And I'm a sucker for that, too. You know, oh, you want to compare. Um, but I just, you know, I, I just, like I said, when Max healthy, it's his job. The kid is doing well. Um, you know, they are not asking him to do too much. Like you said about the running game, um, Ramondre Stevenson, that's for 160, over 160 yards. So, like, that's the offense right now is the running game. And I can tell you when this kid takes the snap, whether it's play action or whether it's just, you know, dropping back to pass or in the shot, whatever, he's looking right at the guy he's throwing to <laughs> the whole time. There's no looking off the safety and there's <laughs> no eye. Or, he literally looks at the wide receiver and throws it. I'm like, oh, he's throwing to Henry. Oh, he's going to throw to Aguilar. Oh, he's going to throw to Kendrick Ford. Oh, <laughs> he's going to throw to Coyle Myers. Right, right at them, like literally right at them. So, um, well, there's no progression there, um, but the kid is, you know, he's just, you know, he's like I said last week, he's not being doing a Kenny Pickett throwing three picks.
4: Well, so this is where the rub comes down. Now we, you just watched the the short lived kind of uh, AFC East title run that the Miami Dolphins thought they were on. <laughs> now they're now they're back in third place. Um, right. The Jets are inexplicably in second. And the Patriots are in the basement. And while we love joking about the fact that you guys are like, this is the craziest. This is the lowest you guys have been in 20 years through five games, I believe. So with that in mind, you look at the upcoming slate, you've got the Cleveland Browns, the Chicago bears and the New York jets suspect quarterback situations You've got Bill Belichick, who I think just showed everybody that, hey, even with a defense that doesn't have all the bells and whistles that the Dolphins might have, or it feels crazy saying this, but even that the Jets might have. We don't have the pass rush talent that we paid a lot for on both sides. We don't have highly drafted talent. We don't have uh, elite corner cover corners. We don't have what the other three teams have. But what we can do is against mediocre quarterbacks. I don't care how many points you put up. We can make, hey, you've got this three-game stand that if you guys do well over the next one, two, three weeks, three weeks—I mean, even just two weeks, it makes that Jets game look pretty huge in terms of where you guys might be jockeying for position in the division. What's your level of optimism looking at Cleveland, Chicago, and then the Jets in week, week eight?
5: Well, I mean, based off of last week, pretty good, obviously. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's sort of shaping up to what happened last year where they went on a you know, a run, and at one point, you know, they were the number one seed and they were 9-5, and five, I think. Um, I don't necessarily expect them, you know, to do that, this, this go-around. But to play, actually play the Jets and have the game mean something is mind-blowing to me. I can literally tell you that the game against the Jets hasn't meant anything since the Rex Ryan era. And that's going like you know, 2009, 2010. So, um, you know, we talked about it in the summer about how much the vision, you know, has gotten better and the talents better. Obviously, um, you know, I feel pretty good ba- again based off of last week and the week before. Um, the offense actually is looks capable. The offensive line in particular has been been, been dominating. I mean, Trent Brown is literally mowing people down and then like flexing, standing over them flexing. So like, there you feeling, go. There you go. And the – I think it was David Andrews. Oh, no, Michael Wen who said, you know, hey, this game Sunday was – you know, this is an offensive lineman's dream. You know, we're dreaming having games like this. So, But I will say they do have games like Sunday a couple of times a year. Like last year it was Jacksonville when the coaching really sucks. And another interesting thing, at Bill's press conference last the last week, not once did he mention the coaching staff being good. Today, in his press conference, he read away, he mentioned the Cleveland coaching staff and Stefanski, you know, good coaching, you know, the coached well. Didn't say that at all last week about Detroit.
4: Almost like, he, almost like he knew he could get him.
5: <laughs> yeah, like he knew he could get know, him. You know, somebody said, I forget who it was on the radio this week, they were like, you know, um, Bill came into the game, game plan, you know, on Wednesday with the team and was like, listen, fellas, you know we're not losing to these MFs. You know? They can't do this. They can't do that. And I think that's how we felt. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's like, okay, like, you know, he knows, um, you know, having like been around obviously all these years what a good coaching staff is. But, yeah, I mean, they have these type of games. Um, now you do it against you guys or you do it against somebody who, you know, was really good in the conference, you know, then we'll sit up and take notice. But I think the statistic right now, 20 teams in the NFL are either 2-3 and three or 3-2. Three and two. Um, you know, pretty middling. Like, I think we could all agree that the AFC isn't necessarily what we thought it was going to be at the end of, it, 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 like, you know, the beginning of the year. Like, it's the Bills and the Chiefs, and then there's everybody else, in my opinion. Um, the AFC West isn't this, like, oh my God,
4: the AFC West football. The AFC West, West is hilarious. The AFC West. Hey, right, hey, right. Hey, what is that? Broncos, let's ride. One of yeah. Right, the- <laughs> Yeah, let Russ cook. Yeah. Don't <laughs> burn down your kitchen. <laughs> no, right. No, so you guys definitely have a place and there's definitely hay to be made here. It's gonna be interesting to see how you guys do over this next three game stand. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter so they can follow along with the Patriots journey here as you kind of tweet tweet your way through it throughout these Sunday games.
5: Sure. You can find me at Chris with the on Twitter and uh, you
4: know, give me a follow, I'll
5: give you a follow back. I I have been lacking in my tweets lately, but I promise I will up the game.
4: There we uh, go. You know, in
5: the com- in the coming weeks. So um, just be on the lookout for the entertaining, subtle, sarcastic tweets.
4: And so that brings us to third place in the AFC East, a surprising third. The Miami Dolphins, who lost to the Jets forty to seventeen. El Farriaga on the line with us right now. So I've heard a lot of things. I've heard a lot of great conspiracy theories, Elf. I mean, there's the fake moon landing, uh, 9-11 being an inside job, uh John F. Kennedy being assassinated by the CIA, and now Teddy Bridgewater being removed from a football game by the NFL and some overzealous officiants. Elf, <laughs> are we being crazy? Or do you think that some of this has some merit?
2: Uh, not only does it have merit, this is not really a conspiracy when it's just one guy, right? A conspiracy is more than one, right? They changed the rules. Get this, okay? So an athletic trainer, a local athletic trainer, by the way, I read the charter. I know how they hire these guys. By the way, they got to change this this week, okay, before anybody plays a game, because this is this is a recipe for disaster. It's already happened to us. It's going to happen to others. Maybe not. But a registered athletic trainer with binoculars can rule out any player at any time, at any minute of the game. And the UNC can't rule him back in, and the team doctors can't rule him back in. What happened to Teddy Bridgewater is that a spotter, an ATC spotter, said that he had ataxia. Now, WSVN sends... uh, A film crew to every single game and they film what, you know, what we call it's, it's B roll footage. Okay. Mm -hmm. But all they do is they, they leave a camera rolling constantly on several areas. Okay. Like they'll leave one camera on the quarterback all game. Like if it's Tua, they'll have a camera on Tua from the first snap to the last snap. Even on the bench, they'll have the camera on him. Right. They'll have a camera on the defensive line, one camera on the offensive line, one camera following the ball. Okay. Uh, These cameras locally didn't find anything wrong with Teddy Bridgewater after he got hit, but he was pulled from the game. He was taken to the back. The UNC said he doesn't have a concussion. He's fine. He has an elbow abrasion. That's why he went into the blue tent. Then the team doctors looked at him and said, no, yeah, he's fine. He's good to return. And the ATC spotter said, no, I saw ataxia. I have proof and he has to be held out. At that point, we proceeded. Remember, this is one snap. This is the first snap of the game. OK, we proceeded to throw the entire game plan out, according to our coach. Then there's video of our of our coach throwing cards from you could tell he was a little bit aggravated at this point. He was getting cards from the that wristband that has all the plays. Mm-hmm. He was pulling cards out of there and throwing them on the ground and then putting <laughs> new ones in. OK, and people like me that watch the all 22, I know exactly what they did. They ran about 20 plays. They ran the same four run plays, and they kind of found their running game, by the way. So that's the only good news to come out of this game. And they ran about the same four or five pass plays. And they actually made a game of it until the third-string quarterback imploded at his own 30-yard line and then gave, gave the Jets drives of 35, 22, and 5 yards for touchdowns.
4: It's, it, I think one of the things that was craziest to me, if you're box score watching, because we're here in the stadium, it's a Sunday, we're at the game, and I'm looking up and I go, okay, this Jets-Dolphins game, we don't know that Teddy Bridgewater's been bounced out of this thing. And we're looking at the scoreboard going, okay, this thing seems like it's, it's close, it's close, it's close. Holy shit, what just happened? Because it was a 17-19 game and all of a sudden it was 40-17. So out of that, you know, you're talking about Skylar Thompson. Is is Dolphins Twitter finally happy? Like I know that there was lunatic fringe members of your fan base that have been calling to see him since the preseason, talking about he's better than Teddy Bridgewater. He's this he's he's great. I don't know why we don't just put him on the active roster. Do you think that that game went a long way to silence some of that talk?
2: I think so. I think that that they they got scared straight, uh, I would say. Okay. So, you know, uh, it was also too much to ask of a seventh-round rookie. Yeah. Hey, guess what? You're playing now. What?
4: (laughs) I mean, look look at the day that Kenny Pickett had against the Buffalo Bills. He's a first-round rookie. Being a rookie quarterback in the NFL is incredibly hard. And I feel like (laughs) – This is one of the things I love about your fan base, though, and what's kind of happened over the last year, year and a half. Your fans have started to get these assumptions and these crazy, I don't know, they're just like, well, he's a quarterback and he looked great during the preseason. That's how the Bills talked themselves into Jeff Toole. Jeff Toole, the guy who famously ruined one of my afternoons by throwing a 99-yard pick six. In fact, I think it was more than that because it was one yard into the end zone. So it was like a 101-yard pick six in a game that we could have just kicked the field goal and won. Like, it's like, what the hell just happened? This is what happens when you're a seventh round, sixth round, undrafted free agent, rookie quarterback. Like, the guys who get drafted at the highest levels still struggle in their first year. There was no way Skylar Thompson was ever going to come into the NFL and be the next Tom Brady. Like, the odds of that were very minuscule. That doesn't mean he won't ever be a good quarterback. And I guess in that way, I know you would talk at the beginning of the beginning of the season, you know, post cutdown day when he made the roster because you guys didn't want to lose him like you did Reed Sinnette. Do you think that this game gives you the ability to put him back on the back on the practice squad without fear of losing him?
2: uh quite possibly although they might even play on this sunday although they're playing this little kabuki theater with who the, who the quarterback's going to be <laughs> but oddly enough that you mentioned reed cinett cuz he's black now is <laughs> is he, he so, going to play so that shows So so that shows you how unfounded all those fears were. Like, you know, who cares? Like, eventually these guys will find their way right back to you.
4: Yeah. When, When you're drafted that late and when you're that late of a pick, you just circle the NFL. You're just looking for a play. And these guys are always happy to just have a home. Can I go to practice? Can I cash my paychecks? Can I sling the rock a little bit and maybe play a little scout team? I don't know. They're just happy to be here. I'm sure Skylar Thompson will tell you that he's just happy to still have a job, right?
2: Yeah, I would say so. You know, is he going to be a good quarterback one day? Who knows? Okay, but this was not a good outing, and imploding is not what we're used to here in the fourth quarter. I've told you a bunch of times. That's kind of how Tua Valoa has made his uh, his name is that he tends to play really well in the clutch, tends to make big plays in the clutch, tends to not turn it over late in games. This was the absolute. Uh, opposite. It, it was it was, an, it was an unmitigated disaster. Like, you went from, this is not bad, right? Like, we're actually in this thing playing this way. Because we were essentially just run, 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 pass, punt. Okay? And we kept doing that for three quarters and was finding us within two points of the Jets.
4: You you just described the entire Dick Jerron era of the Buffalo Bills. So, I mean, at least... He literally just hit that. So at least there's that. That for as bad as that was, it could be worse. So given the way this went, I'm not going to bother talking defensive stats about the New York Jets. I'm not going to talk to you about your offensive statistics. Instead, there's two things I want to hit on. First one, there has been a lot of trash talk this week between AFC's fan bases. The most I've seen in a long time, and I kind of like it. Like, am I wrong for having an enjoyment of this? Why? Explain to me why your fans are mad about the Jets players and coaches in the aftermath of this game.
2: Uh, well, they, they, you know, they were dancing around the campfire and they didn't realize <laughs> what was going on in, in our game. And they tried to compare what happened to the Buffalo Bills against the Miami Dolphins to what happened in this game. And I don't think there's a comparison. You guys lost two safeties, two great safeties. And Tredarius White wasn't there to begin with. In that game, we didn't have Byron Jones either. We were missing both corners, a linebacker, a defensive end, a defensive tackle, both starting tackles, and our both both starting quarterbacks, well, QB1 and QB2. We were down to QB3. And then Jalen Waddle left for part of the game. It was stigmata. And we were still within two points until our quarterback, our seventh-round quarterback, imploded in the fourth quarter. He flew
4: into the mountain like those people in the movie Alive. Like, that's what happened
2: to your quarterback. Well, yeah. When you turn it over three times inside of 22 seconds, that's usually not <laughs> not very good. Okay?
4: Hearing you say so, it is funny. Like, hearing yeah. you say it out loud, three turnovers in 22 seconds, that's it, got to be some kind of land speed record to give the ball
2: away. Yeah. And the thing was that, you know, some people say, oh, it's on our coach. No, our coach was just trying to play, just trying to call a game.
4: He's like, guys, can we just go Do something. Do something. Don't fuck it up. And then Skylar Thompson trots out there and you go, All right.
2: You know, and what's and what's odd is that, you know, when the score was nineteen seventeen, it's second down and eleven, I believe. And Skylar Thompson throws an absolute dime to the other rookie tight end, Tanner Connor, and he just drops it. Okay. (laughs) That would have had him right there at the twenty five yard line going in, down only two. So our coach does the, the, you know, the coach thing when you have a quarterback you don't necessarily trust. He called a wide receiver screen to Jalen Waddle. Waddle gets five yards. We line up for a 54 yard field goal and Jason Sanders, as he is prone to do lately, missed it badly. And then all hell broke loose. <laughs> so when he gets back on the field, the coach is thinking, you know what? Maybe I had to press it a little bit here they like wouldn't have to move the ball down the field by throwing it and then of course here came the turnovers and couldn't recover from that
4: so in terms of this game and then also when you look ahead injuries i mean when i when i look at it here on espn injuries are very much starting to deplete the Miami Dolphins roster and you you see the cliff you guys fell off of in that th- fourth quarter against the Jets where you give up 21 points. But obviously you're talking about Zavian Howard's now hurt. You didn't have Byron Jones. You're talking about now your safeties are starting to like depth. Safeties are starting to collect injuries. Kater Kohu is now questionable. <laughs> Zach Sealer is not questionable. It's this war of attrition is starting to highlight the fact that your team, it's one of the things we talked about in the off season one of the biggest things was that was going to hurt the Miami Dolphins here in 2022 was if the fact that because they, they built a talented roster they just haven't had time to establish the depth yet. Greer hasn't, you know, he he made a lot of moves this offseason to go and get stars to at least raise the talent floor, but you haven't built the depth behind it and that depth is already getting exposed. Are you worried that this kind of trickle-down effect on the roster could linger and also hamper your guys' ability to win more games in the future? Because I'm I'm looking ahead just at this next week, this game against the Vikings that you guys are about to go into. Are these injuries starting to become a concern amongst you guys in the content creation community for Miami and also as the fan base?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say yes either. Uh, It's... It's like half and half, I would say. It's because they are getting some good news here early in the week. Uh, Most of their injury issues began in that Buffalo Bills game. Uh, In the second half of that Bills game, they took a lot of injuries, and they came out of that game. Before that game, they were relatively healthy, just missing a guy here, a guy there, a guy on the offensive line. After that game is when that, that injury list balloon to so, a third of the roster oh, oh hang
4: on a second i just I, I hate to interject but you're talking about injuries after the buffalo bills game in miami let me get out the smallest the smallest violin <laughs> in the entire world and play you the saddest song ever written out
2: but it was after that game and going into the bengals game where they were completely depleted and then they went on to the jets with the depleted roster And for three quarters and six minutes and 35 seconds, they were fine. They were within two points. And then all hell broke loose at the end. They're getting some good news this week. Uh, Teron Armstrong was slated to be in New York for that, uh, for, uh, to meet a specialist about his toe. Turns out he's okay. And he will practice later on this week for the first time this year. (laughs) Because he
4: hates practice.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because he doesn't practice. Although that's, that's one thing I. (laughs) Our coach, our coach, very early in the season, said, uh, "I have a, a, a no practice, no play policy on my team." And they asked him about it. Well, Teron Armstead never practices, and he goes, "He's different. He's different. That guy, yeah, he doesn't." <laughs> you know, and that's one thing about Teron Armstead. I've never seen him practice, but damn it, man, when he plays, that guy can play football. He's man. good.
4: I mean, we watched the job he did against Von Miller. So you guys are going up against the Minnesota Vikings. But then beyond that, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Detroit Lions, the Chicago Bears. So right now you're sitting at third in the AFC East. But you have a very winnable slate of games in front of you. And as your team gets healthier, the optimism has to be pretty high still in Miami, right?
2: Yeah. And it's because of all the news that they got today. Like Arm okay. Armstead will play. Xavier Howard will play this week. He's, he practiced today for the first time in about two weeks. And he says that he's feeling better, and he expects to start and play on Sunday. And then the best news of them all was Tua Tungvaluwa practiced for the first time today. So he's cleared the fourth hurdle. So if you could read between the lines, uh, he might be starting next week against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home on Sunday night versus Brian Flores.
4: Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for these games. And I will say that you've, you've had a front row seat to it. Trash talking Dolphins fans has never been more fun than it has been this season because both of our teams are finally relevant. It's, it's great. I hope to get a lot more of it in before the season's over. Why don't you tell everybody who's lifting where they can find you on uh, Twitter, where they can follow your podcast and what you guys have coming up this week ahead of the Vikings game.
2: Well, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you're noticing that Dolphin fans are imploding all around me. But if you want to watch and read our or listen to our work, you could go to three yards per carry. That's the number three yards per carry on Twitter. And of course, you could get our podcast anywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, anywhere.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed.
4: A heater you hear that you hear that that's the sound of a heater and here to talk to us about theirs is mr scott mason from play like a jet boys we have a winning streak how does that feel
6: scott you guys know i love the movie major league so of course you play Penn and fever what a <laughs> great song and all i can think of while i'm hearing that is bob eucharist harry doyle up in the booth you can't say goddamn on the air. No one's <laughs> listening anyway.
0: <laughs>
6: no, listen, man. You know it's funny. It's it, it, it. It's you guys will appreciate this. Dolphins fans are the whiniest, saltiest people on planet Earth. All due respect to our buddy Al Farriaga, but like, my God, you, they just could not accept the loss. Oh, it was a third string quarterback, yeah, but half of you guys wanted him to start over Teddy Bridgewater oh, well, the league has this conspiracy and they took Teddy out. And it's like, guys, look, I get it. You had a third string quarterback, but they, that happens. The Jets were on like their fifth offensive tackle. This, this is the way football goes. And by the way, your offense, isn't the one that isn't the unit. that gave up 40 points to the Jets. So I don't know what you want here, but man, those dolphin fans are just whiny babies. Again, all due respect to Alf, but the Jets on a two game winning streak. This is the first time this has happened, and I think the last time this would have happened is maybe 2018.
4: Yeah. I mean, so we're talking about a week of blowouts across the AFC East. And it's funny because we you know, we at the top of the show we were talking about nail biters and how one week to the next the pendulum just swings for this division and how much fun they're gonna to be to watch. Do you remember when during our preseason podcast, when I came on play like a jet, When I told you, not just told you, but told Jets fans everywhere that you guys absolutely were going to break the streak of being winless in the AFC East with this roster (laughs) that you assembled I just didn't think it would be against Miami. (laughs) I just didn't think it was going to be the Dolphins that you guys were taking out.
6: I I thought it was going to be the Patriots. I mean, look, it still may be the Patriots. Who, by the way, are also salty whiners. It's (laughs) funny, I posted something about how All anybody talked about last year was the Jets should take Mac Jones, Mac Jones this, Mac Jones that, and who's the quarterback on the rise now. It was like, oh, here's my comparison of stats, and the Patriots won this many games last year. It's like, yeah, except here's the thing. Mac Jones was terrible down the stretch last year. (laughs) Don't tell me he made the Pro Bowl because we all know that's because like eight different quarterbacks said no, and he got hurt and wasn't playing well before he got hurt. Now it's at the point where there's legitimate conversations going on about should the Patriots roll with Bailey Zappi? So I don't want to hear this crap about Mac Jones either. Sorry, guys, but I'm tired of you. It's funny. The Bills are doing so well that they don't even feel the the, the, you guys. I know you're the pettiest podcast, but Bills fans don't even feel the need to punch down Jets fans right now. It's just (laughs) funny all the whiny BS I'm hearing from Patriots fans and, and Dolphins fans at the moment.
4: It is really funny how that works. Like how winning, Chris, how winning just kind of solves everything. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't feel the need to bitch when your team just takes shovels to other teams' faces. Uh, so I'm looking at the way this one went down. The, the big thing that jumped out to me was that the, because your offensive line, let, let's be honest, the tackle situation might be the worst in the division, maybe the worst in the NFL. I don't know a team that has worse luck on that front than you guys this year. Maybe ever. It's like, hey, we have a, a top 10 draft pick at left tackle. Ah, he's fucked. Uh, it's, uh, it's fine. We signed Dwayne Brown. Ah, shit. He's fucked. All right, well, we'll put in a backup who's young and he's a rookie and he's going to look. Oh, no. <laughs> we suck again. <laughs> It's, you guys are literally a couple steps away from signing Chris and I to come be your bookend <laughs> offensive tackles. And yet somehow the investments, you know, first of all, Elijah Tucker is an amazing offensive lineman. The fact that yeah. he's been able to play this many positions for you guys and between all last year's dysfunction and just this stuff going on, he's no matter where you put him on the offensive line, he's impressive. But I think. And we could do a whole podcast about just him and just how he's acclimated and how he's quietly kind of been the foundation to that line. But the bigger thing for me is that even with a subpar offensive line, by comparison to some of the league's contenders, the investments that your team made in its ground game in the form of Michael Carter a year ago and then Brees Hall in the second round this year, This was the game where you finally got to see that paid dividends. How excited about their development are you?
6: Well, first of all, I will say that you are correct. Elijah Tucker has shown us more positions than Madonna back in the 80s. So (laughs) congrats to him on that. But he's yeah, he's been amazing. It's crazy. They went to him and they said, hey, I know you haven't played left tackle since your last year at USC, but what do you think about doing that? They said, all right, so they secretly worked him out at left tackle throughout the week before the game against the Steelers. And then the same thing happened this week because Dwayne Brown came off IR and there was all this talk, oh, is Dwayne Brown going to come off IR? Is he going to be ready to play? And everybody was saying, oh, you know, maybe he'll come off IR, but he's not. there's no way he'll be ready to play that quickly, but he did. Dwayne Brown was like, yep, I'm off IR. I'm ready to go. So then it became a situation where you say to yourself, okay, what, what's the solution here? Do you put Elijah Barrett Tucker back at guard? Do you move him the right tackle where he's never played in his life? Because uh, the, the the issue here is if you don't put him at right tackle, then you have Connor McDermott or two guys that really haven't played significant numbers of snaps in a couple of years. They have some starting experience. But Remmers and Abou, I think it's Aboué is how you pronounce it, But but that creates an enormous weakness, whereas Nate Herbig is actually pretty good at guard. So then it becomes, do you want to get your five best guys on the field? And that's ultimately what they decided to do. Unbeknownst to us, they were working Elijah Vera Tucker out at right tackle during the week. The press didn't know about it, which is good. That means they're doing their job and hiding that and and keeping that information from the Miami Dolphins. But what that ended up doing is, while the O-line had its fair share of struggles, it opened up the possibility of at least having five good offensive linemen on the field at the same time. And so while they they struggled to get pushed in the run game early, later on they they started to cook a little bit. But like you said, this is the formula. Drew, you know this because we've had many conversations about this. A lot of Jets fans didn't like it when I said this, but before the offseason started, I was screaming for – a major investment at running back in the draft. I wanted either Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, or Kenneth Walker, somebody that could take the ball 20 times a game, which is, by the way, what Brees Hall did in this game. I believe he had 20 rushes and two catches out of the bat. One of them was that wheel route that he took all the way down the goal line.
4: 18 rushes, two targets. His two targets, okay? I, this is what I, I want. For Bills fans listening to this, you need to hear this because we were all fired up about James Cook and what he could bring to the table for the Buffalo Bills. 18 yards rushing, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Two targets, two receptions, 100 yards.
6: Yep. And he actually got robbed of two touchdowns. He got all the way down mm. to the goal line on those two receptions. Uh, that, that one, I joked that the, the one what that of he them was 79 that went- yards. Yeah. The one that went 79 yards, the last like 20 yards, he had two guys and he just dragged them. It's like, Drew, you're a father, so you know this. When you leave for work in the morning, when your little when your little son goes, Daddy, don't go. And he grabs your leg and tries to keep you from leaving the house. That's what it looked like when these guys jumped on Brees Hall and he was just dragging them with his leg down to the goal line. But you know, we've talked about this. I wanted that running back because Michael Carter's 5'8, 190 pounds. I know they list him at 200, but no way. Yeah. So he, and he's been hurt. There's no way, especially with how physically he runs, he, he runs uh, into contact. He's not going to hold up if you give him the ball 20 times a game. So you needed a guy that could be that type of player. You follow that 49ers formula that LaFleur and Salah were familiar with, where you, you run the ball. And you get you get yourself a, a real bell cow to do it. The Niners haven't really done it that way. They've done sort of committee stuff. But you have a guy that can touch the ball 20 times a game. What does that do for Zach Wilson? Here's what it does. It makes it that he's in a situation where he doesn't have to play hero ball. He can make smart decisions. He can make economical throws. And don't get me wrong. There were some really good throws in this game. The, the first throw of the fourth quarter, 21-yard first down pass to Corey Davis – Really sharp throw. But what you're seeing is what the game plan all along was meant to be and what I wanted all the way back in the winter time before the offseason started was you get that guy like Brees Hall. You run the offense through him. You have Wilson throwing the ball, say, 25 times a game. This is the Seahawks philosophy from when they were developing Russell Wilson and they had Marshawn Lynch, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens is Wilson, uh, Zach Wilson takes steps each week He doesn't have he he make he stays away from making mistakes. He makes the smart throws. And when he has to step up and make a play, he does. We saw that two weeks ago. In the fourth quarter, he stepped up and had a phenomenal last two drives. So this is, as you said, this was the first chance we got the opportunity to see what this offense can be if it's working the way that they intended it to work when they drafted Brees Hall. So if the offensive line continues to, to improve in terms of gelling together with drink with Dwayne Brown back with Elijah Vera Tucker and Nate Herbig and Connor McGovern and uh, uh, the other guard Lake and Tomlinson in there together you've got five average to above average offensive linemen depending on which guy you're guys you're talking about if they can keep running the ball and getting Brees Hall open uh, on wheel routes and things like that if Michael Carter can provide that change of pace And if Zach Wilson can do what I'm talking about, which is play the role of Russell Wilson Circuit 2012-2013, move the chains, be economical, make the plays when you have to make them, make smart throws, avoid the mistakes, this is what they set him up to do. And we both know that if you want to develop a quarterback, that's the best way. Look, there's always going to be the occasional exception. There are going to be guys like Justin Herbert who just come right out of the gate and are awesome. But when you talk about a guy like Zach Wilson, the idea is to watch his play get better and better each week. And if you can do it this way, this is, to me, by far the best and most effective way to do it. So I'm curious to see how this keeps going. Obviously, they're playing against a Green Bay team with a really bad defense. So maybe they are able to give us part two on Sunday. At least that's the hope.
4: So I want to talk to you right now before we let you go. We've been doing this podcast now for two years and I would be remiss if I didn't capture the moment a little bit. This is the first time I, I, I want this to resonate with everybody listening. I'm going to take a deep breath and say it again. This is the first time since the start of this podcast that the New York Jets have not been in the basement uh-huh. of the AFC East. Now, that calls for a celebratory Montucky. <laughs> I got to crack a fresh one for you. Does it feel good to no longer be the the, 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 the soup can the the tomato can the uh, what do you call the jobber of the AFC East Roundup podcast?
6: Your, here's what I'll say. Obviously, there's still <laughs> 12 games to go in the season. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens as this goes along. But I think Dan Hansis from the Around the NFL podcast Mm -hmm. actually said it well. How good are the Jets? I don't know. How good are they going to be over the next year or two? We'll see. But what we do know is that they don't suck and they're not boring. And I'll take it right now. (laughs) So it's good for them to finally be out of the cellar. I, I joke that if the Bills lost to the Steelers and the Jets had beaten the Dolphins, the Jets would actually be in first place. Uh, we, we saw pretty quickly that the Steelers were never going to have a chance to beat the Bills. But it, it's really interesting to have three teams that that seem like they could be a lot of fun over the next couple of years. And then the Patriots. <laughs> Look, they're still, they've still got Bill Belichick and they're still going to find ways to win some games. But it is kind of funny that. You have to look at these rosters and look at the trajectory and say the Dolphins have a fun roster with some really nice players. The Bills are obviously the Bills. The Jets have a good young roster with some really potentially exciting young players. And then you look at the Patriots and you're like, eh, they might grind out some wins, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's just a very different dynamic in the AFC East. Now, having said that, watch the Patriots find a way to like win the AFC East out of nowhere or something like uh, Randy Orton with an RKO. But, It's just a different feel because it's been, you know, it had been 20 years of the Patriots dominating the AFC East. And yeah, every now and again, the the Jets would be a thorn in their side or there was that one year that Tom Brady got hurt and the Dolphins snuck in and took the division. Right. But the Patriots dominated all those years. Right. And so it's, it's just really strange to have, three teams in the division that look like they're on an upward trajectory. And the one team that may not be is the team that had two decades of dominance.
4: Hey, you know what I say? Good for them. (laughs) Good good for them. Let them eat cake. Scott, why don't you tell us where all of your green Bay Packers week content is going to be and where people can follow you on social media.
6: (laughs) Sure. I'm at play like a jet one on Twitter. You can Download the podcast anywhere where you get podcasts. So Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple, all of that. Uh, you can watch our videos on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like jet. And if you haven't seen it yet, what Drew said about what Brees Hall did on Sunday against the Dolphins, you can't really do it justice with words. And the thunder from down under Luke Grant did a phenomenal all 22 review of Brees Hall's game on Sunday. Against the Dolphins. So if you want to check that out, you can go to our YouTube channel again, youtube.com playlikeajet play like a jet. And guys, as always, really appreciate it. Drew, I'm glad you could squeeze me in because I know that right now you're in the process of moving just the same way that we saw the the uh, very fast moving Matt Riddle put it into Seth Rollins at Extreme Rules on Saturday. So I hope you have better luck than Seth Rollins did in that match because Seth Rollins looked like uh, he was more the worse for wear, although who is this we said
4: Do you got a mouse in your pocket? We weren't watching that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Christian Simonelli, Scott Mason, Alf Arteaga, three of the best. And if we're gonna go with the trio, you gotta go with Death Triangle.
4: Death, you're making these up at this point. There's no wrestling group called Death Triangle. That
3: is, and it's in AEW. And you know who their, uh, and I'm using air quotes here. Their leader is, is the bastard Pack, who's from England.
2: <laughs> because
3: well. we have some people from. across the water
4: across the pond here in studio with us, as we talk about the Buffalo bills who beat the Steelers 38 to three. Obviously by now you've downloaded our uh, recap podcast. You've listened to our chiefs bills preview. If you haven't, what are you doing? Get it together. Get out there. So the Buffalo bills beat the Steelers 38, three we're back on top. And Chris was it ever in doubt that we would inevitably be
3: back to the top of the AFC East. Uh, I mean, yeah, we'd get there, but you know, we thought the Steelers would cover. <laughs> yes, we
4: did. And what what I want to know is for our guest, Mr. Terry White. What first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us in the studio. You're welcome. Now, first of all, how is it that you came to find our podcast? Let's start here. Um, there's a, a, a Bills
7: UK fans. Um, Facebook group and, you know, messenger g- group and, what was it, six years ago, somebody happened to post, you know, anybody looking for a Decent Bills podcast, you know, should try these rock pile Report guys. <laughs> <laughs> a guy, guy yeah. called Rob Newell. So if, if Rob's still listening, it's his fault. It's his fault. Um, and so what kept you coming back? Because obviously we're asshats. Well, no, the, um, I mean, the, the. The first one I listened to, what was it? It was a a, de- a decent win over Arizona, back in the it's a bit the Carson Palmer, Bruce, okay, Busarians days, okay. You know, so it was it was sort of a a, tw- a twenty point win, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so there wasn't, you know, it, it was pretty cheerful, and uh, you know, and and then of course in those days it would only have been the one a week.
6: Yes,
4: you know, that so was back when we were unambitious and not getting paid for things. Yeah. <laughs> And so. also, and you know what's funny about those days when I was doing one podcast a week? I would still somehow during that hour and a half, two hour podcast, I'd still put down double digit beers. It's just now we're breaking it up amongst three shows. <laughs> we're going to tear it on the fourth wall for our listeners. We, we polish them off. So now you're here in the United States with your son, Oliver. You guys come over here for this Pittsburgh Steelers game and First of all, I want to address this. You brought <laughs> us this thing called Real Lancashire Eccles. Lancashire. Lancashire. Okay. I don't want to botch it. Now, what I love is the the, the beers you brought us were phenomenal. I, I don't I don't want to undersell that. You brought us some great beers, and we drank them at about room temperature. And I never thought I'd have a beer that flavorful that was also warm, which now what you two don't realize is I'm going through all this horse shit on my own, like moving my house and It's midnight, and I'm on my phone going down a rabbit hole of how does the UK brew beer? Because I need to know why it's so different.
8: We brew it very well. (laughs) See, that's it.
4: (laughs) Terry, look, if you could underscore for our listeners what the difference between the UK beer and i I'm not... not Now that you've had a bunch of American beers. I'm not a great expert, but
7: basically... um, better uh better quality ingredients i mean you know we wouldn't let rice within a million miles of a brewery oh my god that's the reason i won't drink bud light it you know exactly that that's blue wire
4: if you're listening and you ever partner with blue light uh bud light know that i'll never support it just know that um and
7: I'll go down with the ship. and it's it's a, a as, as i understand this it's a different brewing process you know um Top uh, top hops, as opposed to uh, bottom hops, and um, you know the, the the malts are different. Certainly, the uh, the hops are different. Goldings and fuggles. It,
4: um, I feel like you made those words up. No, no, and no, I, I, I know <laughs> what you mean about fuggle.
7: No, Goldings and fuggles are the two uh, primary uh, hops in uh, most British beers. Um,
4: well, I'll tell you, the, they were delicious, and I remember drinking them at, like I said, almost room temperature and going. They have so much more flavor than I would ever expect a beer not ice cold to be. So you've already broadened my personal horizon. I
8: remember when we gave you the beers and you asked, should we keep them in the cooler for an hour? So I said, no, just drink them. And you looked like I'd gone and punched your mother. You were <laughs> shocked. <laughs> yes. You were amazed by that. I was just said, like, well, how do you drink them? And, and, and you gave us one of them. And the ones I had were great, but you kept them at like subarctic.
4: Yes, you cool because here, if you, if you try to drink a warm American beer, it's literally one flavor and it has a bitter finish. But I think that has to do with the hops and the way it's brewed. And so I've learned after having these conversations with you guys at the tailgate on Sunday, just about this process, but you've ruined it because now I'm obsessed with the idea of finding the perfect, the perfect beer and now as I open these, not now I want, how do I, Lancashire? Lancashire. Lancashire cakes. It says they're made with real butter. This looks like a prune in there. No, just currants. Just currants. Why aren't you throwing me one? Chris, come get one, because if I throw it to you, it will literally crumble into a million pieces. It will. These things look... So,
7: all right, is this
4: something you enjoy? Oh,
7: yeah. Eesh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Are Do these qualify? as is this a scone? A biscuit? It's
7: it's an Eccles cake. <laughs> <laughs> Try, stop tr- trying to compartmentalize.
4: It's an Eccles cake.
8: That doesn't mean anything to them.
4: <laughs> Cakes, biscuits, and cookies, guys. It literally
8: serious business.
4: It's serious business involving the Ministry of Taxation. There's a whole lot going on there. But so you, it tastes like a Fig Newton. To be honest, I like it.
3: Yeah, this is a high end. Fig this Newton. is a much higher end fig Newton. This is a high quality fig Newton. I'm this is
4: you know what? Good for you. At first I was skeptical. Terry, this bump, you actually killed it with this. These are delicious. So, you came to uh, your first Bills tailgate. Mm, walk everybody through your experience you know we've had these conversations with people before about I'm interested to know because you got to watch a whitewashing of another football team that most Bills fans haven't
8: gotten to see in person in a long time well the first experience is when the guy that owns the lot tried to shake us down for a few dollars before we could even get onto the grounds itself and then he said oh wait you're English? oh come on come on in Yeah, I think I love this country they just let us in because we're English I still don't know if he's bullshitting and trying to shake us down
4: no but. no so what it was is they charge people five dollars to walk into the lot kind of as like a deterrent for people to just wander in and steal things
8: ah an mm-hmm. all tax and
4: then he was like we don't want hammered people just strolling in here and making a making a problem Ooh. But, so I At 7, com- 7 in the morning. At se- Listen, it's Buffalo, New York. So I had a conversation <laughs> with him earlier in the day, and we usually, the, the way we do it is we agree on a password. And if anybody knows it, or if any, and I told him, we have some people from England who are coming in, and he goes, okay, that's the password for the day, is England. So when you guys
8: went <laughs> <laughs> and said that you were English, they were like, oh, these are the guys. Oh, so that was an actual thing then? That's an actual thing. Because How- I didn't ask you about that. <laughs> So, Terry,
4: when when you showed up at our tailgate, and then you saw what it turned into, Iman, and the steaks, and the food, and whatever, it, was it everything you thought it would be? Um,
7: and approximately 37% more. Okay. Yeah. Perhaps 38
4: um, Did Did you guys enjoy seeing the spread of, like, how many people are out there? Oh, well, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I'm...
7: Uh, oh, how can I put it? Yes. Yeah, rather than trying to come up with a clever description. It was it was everything expected and hoped for, but,
4: you know, then you actually put it in your mouth as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to see, then you get to taste the food and you're walking around talking to people. One of my favorite moments is I look up and I was talking to somebody, because I, I, I'm talking to a million people over the course of the morning. And I look down and you and Oliver are probably five, six tailgates down just talking to strangers. And I go, see, this is what it's about is them getting out there. Not just talking to us because you you already know us. Mm. You're getting to talk to complete strangers just about this thing that we're all doing together.
8: I was talking to random Steelers fans just saying, this is weird because back home, we're very much tribal when it comes to our sports. You wear the wrong color. You get punched in the face sometimes. Yeah. And we were, we had in our Airbnb, the floor above us. Well a bunch of Steelers fans coming to enjoy the game. And we were just wishing each other luck, patting each other on the back, and as they were walking off, so we'll need that luck. You know, they will need it because they're you know, mm-hmm. their team. So this is a weird feeling, not having <laughs> to be on your know, guard. <laughs> so when we were at the tailgate, one the scale of it for us is probably normal mm-hmm. for you, but the scale for us is huge. And just seeing people come up and you know, start up grills, get the coolers out and stuff like that. We we watched a bit of F1 because someone connected to the phone.
3: That would we be your attorney, Mark Smith. Rockpile Report attorney, Mark Smith. <laughs>
8: yeah, we just watched a bit
3: of F1. You think he's
4: classy because he brought a TV. He also is the guy who brought like leftover, like Little Caesars. Little Caesars $5 pizza and heated it up on the grill. He's not as classy as you guys want it. Like, well, no, make... you, you, you've you made that clear over the years. Exactly. You know, I want everyone to so know. So
8: i heard about it. <laughs>
4: So, now you guys got to go to a game. When you're talking about the game itself, you guys being in the stands, because I know what it was like for Chris and I. We've watched Josh Allen set teams on fire before. For you guys getting to see it in person for the first time, what was that like? Like, what was your reaction between the two of you? Well,
7: straightforward. I don't know whether we came in the wrong gates or something, but we we seem to walk, be walking forever to, <laughs> to find, you know, the, the right section. And so we got to our seats just at the moment that was, it was Taiwan ty- Jones, wasn't it? That almost cocked up the um, uh, kickoff.
2: Oh, oh yeah, Yes.
7: Yeah. You ty- know, so yeah. We, we, we were sort of right behind him. And then sort of whatever it was, 30 seconds later, we're right behind Josh and sort of... <sighs> Oh my. Oh, the. What? We. Oh. <laughs>
8: we <laughs> you almost. Gabe! 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 You don't have words for yeah. well, we it. We initially sat down in the wrong seats before realizing our mistake. So we had to get up, go up a couple of you know stairs to get onto our right seats. And just as we were sitting down, I think the first touchdown happened. So we technically missed that touchdown. No, wow. Well, just finding You might
7: have. Well, well, my I might. I had. I had my concentration fully on the game. First time,
4: <laughs> <laughs> I love the. D- I love you guys. <laughs> so you watched that happen, and then just throughout the course of the day, was the crowd, the atmosphere, was everything you thought it would be. It was
8: amazing.
4: Well, yeah, you know,
7: but th- there again, there again, it was. It's not as though there was anything much in the way of stress, was there? No, you know, it I was mean- a party. It's what. They managed to, uh, you know, Boswell managed to hit one, you know, and um,
4: <laughs> he accidentally, I almost feel like it was by accident that he hit that one because yeah. the rest of them, jeez, I don't you know if they, you, I don't get it.
8: It um, was definitely a party atmosphere. Everyone screaming. I, I buggered my voice. I couldn't talk for the next day. I,
5: I Yeah. I just couldn't
8: do anything. The no. guys next to us, everyone around us, were all chatting to each other like old friends. First time we ever met each other. By the end of the match, we were swapping hats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know,
7: it's um and then and, and and how quickly it went, you know, sort of I mean, the tail the tailgate, you know, sort of five hours of tailgating took about an hour and a half. That was five yep. hours. And then, you know, a three hour game seemed to take about 25 minutes and you know, yeah because
3: it was just... over in three plays <laughs>
4: <laughs> because well, technically if you look at the scoreboard that game was over after that first play
8: well until we watched our very first game at Wembley with against Jacksonville in 2015 <sighs> we'd only seen NFL games on TV so it felt like it dragged more perhaps because of adverts and stuff like that but when we were at well, the stadium listening to announce yeah okay. when so when we were actually watching the game I would look up and it's how oh, did, you know, second quarter, it's ten minutes in? How did this happen? It didn't feel like it was a full-length game. Almost like it passed by too quick for us.
4: Well, and I'll tell you, part of that is because you were having a good time, because Chris and I can tell you, we've been a part of games where it's where we're Viserable. getting throttled, and it feels like it won't end. And you don't want to leave, but it's like, listen, if they don't find a way to turn this around, I have to, because it feels like I've been here for four and a half hours yeah. already.
8: You want to show that loyalty but my god If if you're getting drilled 40 something You just want to go home and drink
4: So so the rest of the trip You guys have been to the Maid of the Mist You've seen some things around Buffalo What's been your favorite part of the city so far?
7: The city. Well, we're we're, st- we're staying in Allen Town, and Allen Street's interesting. Um, you know, we, well, it looks um, like
6: a
8: bomb hit it. i dug <laughs> <laughs> up an lit, entire lit, section of. Lit,
7: oh, 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 sorry. The, the yeah the junction the junction of Allen and, and Elmwood. What are they doing there?
3: Oh, it, yeah, it's uh, they're still working on the construction.
7: Hang yeah, on. but what what are they constructing? Can I you- think
3: I think they're working the Allen the side streets. Between Delaware and Elmwood, and I think they're like making it better to street park, is what they're configuring.
8: Oh, you need more cars. Yes. Yeah, that's just there's
4: more traffic down there.
7: I mean, that, 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 that's something that uh, confused me. You know, we, we saw this thing, um, you know, it said about the the buses being diverted or what have you. It, you know, effective, um, what was it? 9622. Tw- so I am. I'm immediately think. Ah, 9th of June. So this has been going on for <laughs> this has been going on for four months. You know what? The, how long? You know, and it was only a couple of days ago that I worked out that you know it was you know a month it, or so. Well, it, it was mm-hmm. six nine. Na- what you actually meant was six nine twenty two.
8: See, I didn't correct him either because. I was thinking the same thing. It's been four months. It must be a council job. People just sitting around doing nothing.
4: Well, no, that is that yeah. is every public works job. Yeah. And listen, if you're if you're doing a public works job listening to this podcast, I'm not trying to be offensive, but you know you lean on that shovel. <laughs>
8: Come on now. You <laughs> they, know what it is. To justify their budget. so they won't get it next year. So. I haven't seen
7: anybody pick up a shovel on, <laughs> on, on, at that junction in the week we've been here.
4: That's amazing. No, that's Buffalo, New York this time of year, because basically what they're doing is they're getting ready for winter. And then winter will come and it'll wreck the street, and then they'll spend another month and a half fixing it again next summer.
8: Mm. Job security.
4: Job security. Yeah, but, but also, if
7: you, if you know that the um, the environment is going to bugger the infrastructure... To to get technical, you you think you'd do
4: it better, right? Instead of just doing the same thing over and over again? Well, I don't know whether they can
7: or whether it would take 10 times the money. Listen, we come
8: from a country where if it snows less than half a millimeter, we completely shut down. So we can't talk (laughs) shit about you guys dealing with infrastructure (laughs) with snow. (laughs) Because we've seen some games where you play in a blizzard and we can barely see the players. so...
4: I threw a tailgate personally, just by myself, set up a tailgate for 40 people. Is that, Col- that the Colts game? That 2017 Colts game where it was snowing so hard that Kelvin Benjamin was lined up a yard and a half off sides and the referee on the sideline couldn't see it, so he didn't flag him. <laughs> what that to call off the game? That was probably the most positive thing Kelvin Benjamin ever did during this time.
7: <laughs> <With>
4: the, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. He made the Popeye's fried chicken locations around here a lot
3: of money. Yeah. He gave that. <laughs> That's why we have them here now.
4: Because right, right. now Benjamin. we're being mean. Now we're being mean. Here's what I want to close with. You've taught us a ton. You between the Jaffa cake, uh, taxation fiasco, uh, <laughs> the, the fact that uh, the, the the whole British ale thing compared to American ales. I just, I guess, there's a question. Is there anything you've learned during your trip here? Anything you've learned, whether it's about football, whether it's about this fan base, whether it's about this community? Well, it, it, as far as the fan base
7: is concerned, it's it's confirmed everything that everybody's ever said sort of for the last 40 years. You know, um...
8: We just felt welcome from the moment we came here. It's you know, fantastic. um... Bills, Steelers, whoever. Even if they weren't football fans in town, they've welcomed us with open mm, arms. You know,
7: and, it? um... You know, so
8: and your yeah. beers are good; they're not that bad. Well, thank you, may, you. you. You may freeze them to shit, but some of them have <laughs> flavor. Well, that's that, that that's that's
7: only only to hide the total lack of uh, any taste. <laughs> I
8: thought it was nice. Lagers are shit, though. All lagers are shit.
4: So, Terry, is this one of those trips that you'll look back at? Oh yeah, but I'm. I'm
7: Equal. Just- I'm equally, you know, um, you know, quite prepared to, you know, look forward. I'm.
3: Uh, uh, when are you coming back?
7: Well, I'm. I'm sort of, I'll, I'll, I want to see something in the new stadium. Yes. Yep. Um, you know, but I mean, year, year one is, you know, that that will be sold out. You know, a couple a couple of years. You know, before the place opens. You know, mm-hmm. so I'll I'll just have to concentrate on not dropping dead until <laughs> you know un, 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 until the um, you know the
3: new stadium the,
7: yeah un, 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 until the you know ticket prices stabilize uh,
4: to an extent and uh, and take it from there. Terry, this was so much fun, Oliver. I'm glad that you came in with him. As a moderator. Well, well, well no, <laughs> no, but I mean, the, on this trip because I remember him talking when I was like, "Oh, my wife's gonna come," and and then he was like, "Oh, well, he, he, what did he say?" He came back and he goes, "Oh, she told me I had to." Basically, he refers to her almost like she's the she's the major. She kind of runs the.
8: You may say that I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> so, so
4: to see you here with him, I, I'm sure it was just like it was a. I'm sure it was a bonding thing. Well, I'm sure it was fun for the two of it you. It was to not be here just a bonding
8: thing, but the earliest memories I ever had was of your country. The first memories I had was of Niagara Falls. So I very hazy of everything you, when I was about four years old. So not only coming to watch the game was a major blast and fantastic because I've been. On the edges of NFL since six years old or something like that. Really? But yeah, he got me into this, so blame him. Yeah, but I mean... Good when, job. Uh, when, when, when we came over
7: in 93, um, I just picked up a, a nice dollop of what you would call severance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we we came, we came over and... Uh, but it, it was June because, uh, well weather you know fam- oh, yeah. fa- family and weather and, yeah. and that sort of thing um you know and uh, so he he was four and a half and uh, on the plane over he spilt a drink all over himself for some reason so, i remember
8: that but nothing else on the
7: on the, on the plane coming over he spilt a, a, a drink all over himself so at the age of four he was stripped naked by a couple of air stewardesses
4: I love how you, the, the joy in your face telling the story.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, and, um,
7: you know, and then we, um, you know, so we did, you know, but
4: anyway, there we go. So so you've been here, you've been here, and now you guys have gotten to experience what the Bills are here in 2022. You've got to see it firsthand, us just decimate yeah. another team.
8: That was amazing to see that. I'd heard for so long about the drought and how we were. So close, but never quite. And then to see it 38 to 3, absolutely smashing the ever-loving shit out of them and just hearing the fans go nuts about it is something that will stay with me for a very long time. It's been fantastic. Mm.
4: Terry, this this has always been a thing of mine. I've always wanted to meet you, meet the person who DMs me about all of my factual inaccuracies (laughs) at 3 o'clock in the morning. I am so happy that you were here. I'm happy to have met your son. And I look forward to getting to do this again.
8: Well, if we could get a quick shout-out, though. Uh, what's his name, the Portuguese fan? Hugo. Hugo. Oh, yes. Yes. He yes. is the reason we managed to get, bring so many yes. beers over. He
7: sends us videos of how to <laughs> rap.
8: And he actually follows <laughs> me on Twitter. You retweeted one of the things I sent, and he now follows me on Twitter. So,
3: so yeah. I, here we I, go. I, look at what Evening Hugo.
4: Think. <laughs> Look at what we're doing, Chris. We're creating networking between people. It's what we are. God, who knew? Look at it. We're, we're podcasters, we're irreverent drunks, and shit we're posters. also shit posters, and we're also community builders. Who would have thought? Guys, this has been a lot of fun. I've had a blast having these two in studio with us. But for tonight, we got to get out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger, It's Terry White and Oliver White. And this has been your Rock Pop Report.